0: Outdoor Explorer. I'm your host, Lisa Keller. Over the last five years, Outdoor Explorer has brought you three stories about the Chugach Front Link-Up. The linkup, before this year, was considered a single-trip completion of the 12 peaks in the Chugach Front Range that are over 5,000 feet. Last year, Brian B.'s climate blog posted an updated analysis of the elevation of the Front Range Peaks. The USGS mapped the Chugach range in the 1950s, and for much of the last 60-plus years, we've relied on that data to assess peak elevation. However, using new technology, the USGS mapped the Chugach again, and one more peak was added to the 5,000-footers, Tarmigan Peak. After additional mapping and measuring was performed, Tarmigan Peak has been confidently added to the list of 5,000-foot peaks in the front range of the Chugach. The link-up is now considered a 13-peak challenge. In March, officially still in winter before the equinox, Ben Americus set out to complete the first link-up with all 13 peaks. He managed to complete many other firsts on his way, the first to ski off the summits, the first late winter completion, and the first record with Ptarmigan Peak included. Ben is an Alaska Sea Grant State Fellow and the Science Policy Coordinator with Alaska Fisheries Development Foundation, So before we hear about Ben's winter trek and ski through the front range, we'll talk about salmon, orcas, and climate change. Thanks for joining me today, Ben.
1: Oh, thanks. Thanks for having me, Lisa. Yeah, I'm happy to happy to be here. Well, we have
0: lots of things that we can talk about. And so we're not going to just talk about the link up, but it is pretty exciting. Um, So let's, let's just give a little preview of that and. Can can you just tell a little bit about this extra addition of Ptarmigan Peak? Now that it's going from twelve peaks to thirteen peaks this year.
1: Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, so um, yeah, for me, it's the it's the first peak on the link up. I think the way that most people will do the route, it's the the first peak, um, and it's specifically the east summit uh, was resurveyed. Um, I think last summer. Um, yeah, resurveyed, um, and it's just yeah fifty. Yeah, fifty-fifty. So five thousand fifty feet over the, mm-hmm. over the over the the five thousand peak limit. But it's a, yeah, it's a pretty nana. Uh, like said, it doesn't add much to the link up. I'm, i think, I uh, think for the really fit people, maybe like a couple, an hour and a half or something like that.
0: So how how does that? Do you know how that surveying works? Like before they thought it was under five thousand, then all of a sudden it's oh wait, we redid this. It's over five thousand. So do you know how surveying for the peaks works?
1: yeah i think i i forget the man's name it was uh it wasn't done by usgs it was kind of just a rogue survey job um yeah i forget the man's name is on joe stock's little web page there but uh i believe he used a drone i think it's off the uh uh, yeah and um yeah calibrated it to some some point he had in the front range but Uh uh-huh oh that's interesting Yeah. <laughs> yeah, my 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 dad's a landscape surveyor. I probably should know more about how that was done, but yeah. For me, yeah, I kind for...
0: I kind of threw that question at you, but now that I know that, like you should be able to answer that, right? We should get your yeah. dad on here. <laughs> oh yeah, here, yeah,
1: here to, here to have lots of things to say about skiing in Alaska, but yeah, it's a... Uh, yeah. Yeah. I think, yeah. Functionally, I think it makes a lot of sense for the, it's really, it's really aesthetic peak. Like, um, just, yeah, it's a, it's a cool, I think it's a really nice addition to Link Up.
0: Yeah. I think so too. So let's, let's kind of start with, um, uh, you're growing up in Alaska. You grew up in Cordova.
1: Yeah. 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 I, um, yeah, I was, I was born in Palmer and then I moved to Cordova when I was nine. Um, yeah. Cordova is like a, yeah, it's a great, great place. I think, uh, people that a lot of people live in Anchorage. I've never I've never been there, but, uh, yeah, it's like in the summer you can take the fast ferry over, um, or not the slow ferry, but, um, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it's got a little ski hill. It's like, uh, it's got a lot of, a lot of different types of fish you can catch. It's like, yeah, it's a pretty, pretty awesome place. I think it's like, yeah, the best place in Alaska.
0: So did you just have like a free range childhood there
1: in Cordova? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah, a lot of like, uh, yeah, my dad, my dad's like a big, uh, backcountry skier so we'd like do that yeah all all summer and into the spring um yeah it's pretty pretty free range uh yeah there's like uh yeah yeah all, no no dog all the dogs just run wild around the town it's pretty uh pretty wild place
0: <laughs> is it still that way I mean you're not that old so I guess this wasn't too long
1: ago was it yeah I went back this summer yeah it hadn't changed at all in the 10 years that I'd been been gone for but yeah and hope
0: it Hopefully it keeps that character. I have to admit, as someone who's born and raised here, I've never been to Cordova. Isn't that terrible? It's terrible. Oh, yeah, I need to go, yeah, go. <laughs> yeah
1: there's there's like a there's a race on um in July, the Alaska salmon runs. um it, it's kind of like the break from between two fisheries. They have like uh they have like a marathon and a five k. it's a and a bunch of music. um pretty cool, cool little oh event. so it's like
0: a big festival,
1: yeah, yeah, totally. I think it's worth but that'd be a good time to go for people, yeah, people in Alaska.
0: Oh, I'm going to check that out. Cause you can go over on the, on the ferry. Can you just go in there and stay a day or do you have to stay overnight?
1: Uh, I think on um, the new ferry system, I think you have to stay a couple of days, probably for Anchorage people. Like, um, a lot of times of the year you can fly for like 5,000 Alaska airline miles. So it's so, like, yeah, the flights are pretty cheap. It's like a hundred bucks or something. So,
0: oh, well, that's a good option then
1: too, for sure. Totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, it's like, yeah, Cordova's. I, I, I love going there. I don't think I'm ready to live there yet, but yeah, it's a great, great place. <laughs> Is your dad still there? Uh, he, he, um, yeah, he sold his commercial fishing boat last summer. So he's kind of, he's like relocated to the lower 48. Um, I think, I think he, he, he people become a little like uh, tired of the rain in the winter and the hard place to live.
0: Yeah. So you grew up in this fishing town, and so it seems pretty natural that your life's work so far has been revolving around fish, right?
1: Yeah, totally. Yeah, that's kind of, yeah, just how, how it worked out. Yeah, I would, like, uh, gillnet with him. Um, he had a little 32-foot boat there. Um, so yeah, I netted with him all through high school. And then yeah, after high school, I kind of got a job in the, like, fish science research world. Um, yes, I was doing um doing some work Um on this project that was like funded by the state of Alaska looking at like where hatchery fish go and uh, yeah I did that work for five years then yeah basically all my work since has been in the fish science world
0: so that and, and you have a youtube video which i'll put a link to on our Alaska public media outdoor explorer page and it's called five years before the mast so that was like first of all five years before the mast
1: what does that mean? <laughs> oh, it's a play on this. Uh, yeah, it's a play on this book. Two years. The book. The, the 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 novel or the this the book is two years before the mast. Uh, um. yeah, it was, it was just like a. Yeah, for me it was like my life for like five summers. I would just I would just. Uh, I guess the the boat was. Uh, it didn't have a mast. It was like an old. Uh, it was like it had a. It wasn't a sailboat, but it was. Yeah, it was like a, just Got for those it. five summers, I just lived on boats, and yeah, it was a great job. We were just like. Uh, all our meals were provided for us, and we like go to shore and collect like thousands of dead fish. It was like, yeah, still the best job I've ever had.
0: And so that was what, when I watched this video, was so amazing to me is how much joy you were all getting out of collecting dead fish, which to me is not, seemed like a very fun thing to do.
1: Yeah. So like, you like the, I think people have trouble with like the smell, but like the smell goes away after a certain, like after a week, <laughs> you don't notice it
0: you're not yeah. like a corner that that puts a little like uh aquaphor or not aquaphor but uh what is that uh that that rubbing oh. thing that you put on your chest when you have a cold oh uh, you know? yeah
1: yeah I see how, yeah yeah, yeah, yeah hot. Yeah.
0: yeah put it under your nose and
1: <laughs> no at least for me i think i really yeah you go you become your brain can detach from the, the smell uh-huh. and yeah it was, it was a yeah really cool job and yeah just now there's like there's starting to be some publications coming out about like the um the results of the work. It's pretty, yeah, it was a cool project to work on.
0: And one of the other cool things I liked about that video too, is lining up all the fish. Like they were all lined up all the dead fish in various stages of decomposition, but you had them like lined up in some sort of, I, I know there was some sense to that. And yeah, what was that?
1: Yeah, so The trays, I believe it was, uh, I haven't looked at these trays for a while. Uh, I think it was, it was 10, 10, the, the trays we put the samples in, um, they're like, uh, I think eight by 10. So we'd have like uh, eight fish in a row and then we'd like pull out the ear bone, um, which they can use to like see where the fish came from. And then we'd like pull a little piece of the heart out um, and they can use that to like see um, what the fish's parents were. And like, uh, yeah, so. so that each blows of those me fish, away. Yeah, it's pretty amazing technology. Yeah, it's like, um, yeah, this is all done at the uh, ADF and G lab here in Anchorage.
0: So the, the ear bone shows where the fish has been, where it, yeah. It, I, how is that, is there
1: just, is there, how, how does that work? <laughs> I'm at a yeah. loss for
0: words. No, it's
1: pretty, yeah. It's like uh, so this technology was implemented in like Alaska and like the late, I guess, when was this like, yeah, in the, in the nineties. Um, but they do like, um, they can adjust like, so when these, these fish grew up in hatcheries. Um, a lot of the ones that we were collecting and um, they can adjust the water temperature of the hatchery and that like um, changes the mineralization in the ear bones. So like uh, um, when these fish come back from the ocean as adults, you can like look at the ear bone and see like, essentially it's like a barcode of like light and dark bone. You can look, look at the bone and see like, it's from this hatchery. Or if you don't see any of the barcode, you know, it's a wild fish. Mm -hmm.
0: That, that blows me away. I had no idea there, there was something like that, that could identify
1: where those fish came from. Totally. Yeah. It's, it's like, yeah, it's, I think, yeah, all the hatcheries in Alaska do it now. It's a pretty, uh, pretty like amazing technology.
0: So when you were pulling those fish or collecting those fish, were, were there fish in there from hatcheries all over the state? Cause they usually go back to the stream. They came down, right?
1: Yeah. That's the, that, that's like the, the, the root of the project. Yeah. They're trying to determine like, um, how many of the fish from the hatcheries um don't go back to the hatchery um Mm. yeah the fish like um fish homing it's like it's thought to be like magnetic like gravitational and then when the fish get close to their stream they're able to like smell like smell their natal stream but for like for different reasons like changes in the environment or like changes in the fish um they can like end up in the wrong system so like Mm. they call it straying um like when a fish doesn't go back to its home um, and that's like, that's like the, the root of the project was try to figure out how many of those hatchery fish are straying. Mm-hmm.
0: Do you remember how many of those were hatchery fish and how many were wild salmon?
1: Yeah, it's, it's, it's really, um, it's really variable across the sound. So near, near to hatcheries, the proportions higher, um, um and then further away from hatcheries, it's lower. Um, mm-hmm. but I, I think, um, for people interested, there's, adf has released um, a couple of publications now, published, they're all um, open access and published in peer-reviewed journals, um, but, and there's a lot of good information on the ADF&G website too. Um,
0: oh, okay, okay, well, yeah, we could put a link to that, that would be great, because it is pretty fascinating. Um, I had mentioned to you earlier how in, uh, when I was going to school in Anchorage in elementary school, we never we didn't even really study salmon very much. But then when my kids were going to elementary school so much later, you know, I was in elementary school in the seventies and they're in elementary school in the two thousands, early two thousands and how it was like, it was like a week of learning about salmon. And then they go to over to Campbell Creek and watch the, the release of the salmon and and they would get the whole, you know, egg the they'd open up and show them the eggs and and yeah, milk yeah. the salmon I mean it was it's really changed quite a bit how they teach kids in Anchorage now about how salmon because it's they're so important to this part of the world
1: yes no that's just that's a great program I've, I've never seen the program here but uh yeah in in Cordova we had this thing salmon in the classrooms it sounds pretty similar we'd like go and like catch the or like go and get the adult fish and like fertilize them on the stream and then yeah. bring them back to a fish tank. Oh, yeah. It's a, yeah, yeah. I think it's a, it's yeah, a great way to teach kids about the life cycle and they yeah, super cool.
0: Yeah, it is. At Camel Creek. um I just live right at Lake Otis and Tudor and that park there has done a great job of like having educational, you know, placards or whatever out there to explain how important salmon are to the whole cycle. So I think yeah. kids, kids now, and, and you're probably in that group too because you're fairly young. You have a much bigger appreciation of how important salmon are to Alaska.
1: Oh, totally. Yeah. Yes. Um, that's the the I work in the work so I work in the salmon science industry. Yeah, the largest private sector employer in Alaska. Pretty amazing. Uh, yeah, the it, the,
0: it, the salmon, salmon science is the largest. Oh, in
1: the fishing industry. Oh, in the fishing. Private, industry, yeah, oh, in the fish,
0: okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> no, it, it's like, it's, it, it's still, I've never seen them. I like was traveling a lot last summer, but like, yeah, I'm really curious to see these like urban salmon returns, like in ship Creek and Campbell Creek. This, I'm like, yeah, I'm going to, it's pretty amazing that that can exist in a, in a city like Anchorage.
0: Yeah. So, so you had just recently returned to Alaska after going to school outside, right?
1: Yeah. 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 I went to school in yeah Montana and then uh, Oregon. Um, but yeah, I moved up. Uh, I moved up this July to Anchorage. And and you recently defended
0: your master's thesis.
1: Yeah. I defended it in uh, 2019. And then oh. I'll defend, defend my PhD in about a month. Oh, oh, wow. I didn't even know that
0: piece. I just saw the video where you're defending your master's. So, so what's your PhD yeah. on?
1: Yeah, it's like um it's like the genetics of salmon parasites. Um yeah, I, d- I did a lot of work on like the Klamath River, which is like the border between Oregon and California, which is like it's like a really kind of messed up river historically. It's like um it's like yeah, really hot right now, and there's like um five dams on it. Um, um so yeah, there's like with the dams and with the 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 heat of California and the like, low, low water flow, there's been a lot of trouble with this one parasite. Um the parasite's called Serata Nova Shasta. Um, and it's like, a, it's like a really weird parasite. It's like, a, so it's like an animal. Um, it's like a relative of a jellyfish. Um, and so my PhD work was like, trying to figure out the different proteins that this jellyfish uses to kill salmon. Uh, yeah, it's like really, really kind of <laughs> academic. Yeah, not, not a very, yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty, pretty interesting. Like, uh,
0: but is this so this parasite is also becoming a bigger problem because of climate
1: change? Yeah, totally, totally. Yeah, so in Alaska, um, um, this specific parasite isn't, isn't much of a problem, but um, there's a, there's um, a parasite that's like a relative of it, um, and it causes this disease called PKD, proliferative kidney disease, um, and yeah, with climate change, that's increasingly a problem. Um, yeah, I think, I think um, one of the reasons I came back to Alaska was uh, my education's in like, is in like fish diseases, and I think Alaska in the next few decades will have a lot more trouble with fish diseases as things get warm. Like on the Yukon right now, there's this parasite Ichthyophonus, which is a big, a big problem. So it seemed like a good t- coming back to Alaska. I can apply my like education in in, a, in an impactful way here.
0: Do you think that? Um, I mean, we know that in the Pacific Northwest that salmon are there's definitely a problem sustaining populations because of dams and now these parasites. And so are you looking at like Alaska being kind of the final, the final foothold that salmon have in the world?
1: That's definitely how I think of it, especially yeah, like large, these large wild returns. Um, yeah, I mean, there's some, there's some hope though, like in, in a, on the Klamath River, where I, I did, all, did all this work, um, this, um, so January, 2023, they'll start drawing down water. And then there's a, yeah, plan in place to take out the four of the five dams um, in the next couple of years. Um, just for the purpose of salmon habitat restoration. So, Mm. um, yeah, I think there's, there's still some hope for, for, yeah, salmon in lower 48, but yeah, I mean, nothing like, nothing like Bristol Bay or even the top river exists down there. Mm -hmm.
0: Um, and and what do you think like this year in the Pacific Northwest and California in particular, um, with the amount of precipitation they've had over the winter, how does that impact Salmon, like wouldn't you have so much precipitation? That's probably got to be, I don't know, is that just as bad as not enough? <laughs> I
1: think it's my my expect. I think it's good. I think it'll be okay. a yeah good year. I was looking that yeah, there's like the Klamath Mountains, which like feed into the river there. They're all at like two hundred percent or something. And uh, mm-hmm. like yeah, historically there's been like even the last five years, there's been a lot of conflict between like potato farmers and ranchers in in the area and and these um, like local tribes that. um Get local tribes; they want to preserve a certain water level for fish habitat. But like the ranchers are all, also promised a certain allocation of the water. So I think, um I mean, this year is just a great year that everybody gets enough water and the fish get enough water. And it, hopefully, it'll be a bit colder. Mm-hmm. I, I think, yeah, um, it's, yeah. I think between this this year and the dam coming out, I feel feel positive about those fish.
0: Do, I, I, this is kind of a total aside, but since this, I just read this article about that southern pod of orcas up in, yeah. um, yeah. And how they, their main prey species is salmon. And so then they were looking at that because the salmon runs are so low that they're starving. But then on the other hand too, they're so inbred because in the seventies, all these baby orcas were stolen. And so they don't have a a lot of genetic diversity. Mm -hmm. Um, And then they're not able to switch to a different prey. Like the Alaskan orcas, the Northern pod is like eating seals and sea otters and things like that.
1: So yes,
0: yeah, what, is, what is the, is, is there like a hit that you've seen, uh, orcas trying to eat the salmon also taking, but not enough salmon for humans and orcas and.
1: Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, that's, it's, I, I agree. It's wild. It's wild biology that like these, like, yeah, the same species, like has evolved in these really different ways. Like, and like, yeah, yeah like a, a orca will starve before like a resident orca will starve before it will eat a marine mammal.
0: Yeah. That's, yeah. Uh, and- that doesn't make sense does it to us it doesn't make sense because we eat anything I yeah. guess
1: yeah 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 more def- yeah it's like uh yeah there's you no know, there's definitely conflict there and among, amongst humans like there's a yeah there's like a lawsuit um right now going on in Washington um, um kind of um looking at how um there's some yeah some 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 conflict, some conflict over people in Alaska catching the fish that those oh, right. orcas eat
0: um, yeah they're trying to stop the fishing in southeast because but it, they're not even the same salmon are they that end up in the pacific northwest i think that's what the southeast fisher people are saying
1: yeah that's that's my understanding of it too yeah it's it's a really um sick they, they can use like um genetics to see where the fish come from i think it's yeah it's a really low proportion of those fish um are, are eaten by are eaten by those those south mm-hmm. southeast orcas but um yeah. I mean like that. Yeah. The, I think those, those orcas are listed as threatened, right? Under the environmental species act. So yeah. Or endangered species act. So it's a, yeah, I think it, it's the, the legalities get, get kind of complicated and it allows some um, restrictions to be put in place. Mm-hmm.
0: Salmon are confusing to me because, <laughs> because going back to their natal streams and everything. So some, these salmon along the West coast Of the united states will go out and mix out in the ocean and sometimes they'll follow other salmon back to their stream or
1: yeah that's yeah there's a lot of a lot of mystery about what the what the salmon does out in the ocean yeah (laughs) Yeah. there's like uh yeah there's like this so last year they had the 2022 was the international year of salmon um it's like this big collaboration between like yeah japan korea russia u.s and canada uh, try to like basically figure out what the fish is doing out in the ocean and like even even they did a bunch of surveys in the gulf and like even those surveys like they don't you know, a lot of fish they can't find like there's this real mystery about like where does the pink salmon go in the ocean so, yeah so i think uh yeah it's real real interesting and un, unknown out there
0: yeah so uh let's um uh, get into the link up i guess uh, but <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this is fascinating this is really good stuff um so, um, you, so growing up in Cordova, you obviously, you said you spent a lot of time in the mountains with your dad and everything, because that's yeah. kind of another unusual thing, uh, what you did with the link up. And I'm not sure it's the first time anybody's done this, but you brought skis with you.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, yeah, know I know some, I'm not sure it's hard, you know, it's hard to say for Alaska, what's been done and what hasn't, but, um. Uh, yeah, for me, it just, it just makes the makes the most sense. That's like uh, the way I I know how to travel like through, through mountainous areas. Like, um, I'm pretty new to like the mountain running thing. So, uh, yeah, for me, it made, it just made more sense to do it in the winter. Like, yeah, putting in switchbacks and boot, boot packs of stuff. Um, mm-hmm. That's yeah, it's been, yeah, I've been skiing basically my whole life. So it's, yeah, it made a lot of sense to bring skis.
0: So when was your, so, you, so you knew that there were 13 peaks. And yeah, yeah. It, yeah, and that, that was starting this year. And when did you kind of make this decision? Because, uh, you made an attempt. So let's talk about your first attempt and yeah. when, when that started.
1: Yeah. Um, so, um, yeah, I, I, this, I've been thinking about this for a couple of years, even before I moved up here, um, my friend, uh, miles, no Tech, he did the, he did the link up in 2018. Um, yeah. And so it was kind of on my radar. It's like, I knew I knew it hadn't been skied before. Um, and then, yeah, I moved up in July and I, I knew I was like pretty, my like geography is pretty bad. I like knew like flat top and I knew like pioneer peak and then like everything between the two was just unknown. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you,
0: the, yeah. Cause you grew up or you were born in the first seven years in Palmer. So you knew pioneer yeah. peak. Yeah. And then of course and everybody then, knows flat top, but
1: <laughs> yeah, I was, I was calling it half top for a while. Half I top. didn't know it. what it was called uh but yes I was yeah uh yeah I got just got got lucky I was able to connect with some people that kind of showed me the different ways to yeah like Miles especially and then um did you do that
0: did you do that last summer you started looking at like oh how would I do this in the winter because I mean had you thought I'm gonna do this in the in the spring really your attempt was more of a spring Attempt, Never. right? Is that what I mean would you classify it as a spring attempt?
1: Yeah, yeah, no, I, I totally would. I mean, it is yeah. like uh I there was some some motivation to do it before the equinox just to get the get the like, winner, the winner classification or whatever. But no, it's totally like a, I mean I saw I saw what the front range looked like in December. It's a whole different world. Like
0: so you you had seen Sophia Tiddler's or Sophie, Sophie Sophia the Tiddlers. Um or that she had done it on the solstice you had seen that right and then you you saw some of her video and some of her pictures and stuff
1: yeah I don't know if I've seen her video yeah I think
0: there's I think she has a video maybe I'm you know in my head I'm imagining her pictures moving maybe but um yeah just that the real intensity of like with I I have a memory of a like an ice axe going up a peak and
1: yeah 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 that's so, so hardcore yeah and so did that,
0: is that when you started, did that kind of like, oh yeah, I should attempt this with skis because nobody's done that and it would be another winter attempt and.
1: Yeah, I think, um, uh, yeah, I knew about that, 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 that what she did, I think I, I, when I moved up here, I was listening to a lot of your Alaska outdoor explorer. I'm oh. um, just to like, try to understand like what the vibe was like in Anchorage, uh, uh, Cause, yeah, I,
0: yeah, yeah. Cause there was a lot of like that period of about a year or two, there was a lot of intense, uh, conquering of the link up, I guess you can call it. There was a lot of records set yeah. and everything.
1: Yeah. No, yeah. No, like, yeah. Lars, I listened to all those within the three, the three women that did it. Did it um, yeah uh, yeah, I I was like taking notes as I was listening to them about like, yeah, how th- the order of things. Oh, and, that's uh, great. <laughs> yeah, so very, yeah. Cause very, very, nobody very,
0: wants to give it up. Right.
1: <laughs> yeah. I know you're not supposed to, I, I, I think there's some, it, it is more interesting to make your own route. So yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah, I, that definitely your, your conversation with Sophie was really, really enlightening. It's just, uh, yeah, it's very, it's, I mean, just, I think emotionally it was, a, or like, um, spiritually, it was a really different, uh, experience than what I had out there.
0: Oh really? Like, cause, cause it was a, quite a spiritual experience for her.
1: It sounded, yeah, it sounded like it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It was, uh, I mean, it, yeah, it was just, it, for me. It was, it was awesome. Like, uh, yeah, it was, it was, it was like type one fun. Both of the attempts, really. Like, uh, uh-huh. I think. Uh, I mean, I, I just think the the ability to travel on skis is a lot. Like, uh, makes yeah, can it's a lot easier. Uh huh.
0: So you you made this first attempt in I think it was it was before the equinox you said, right. In early March.
1: Yeah. I think it was, uh, I guess late February. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yep. Uh, yeah. yeah, uh, yeah and and you had
0: a friend who did the, like the first four peaks with you.
1: Yeah. Yeah. My friend, yeah. Abe Meyerhofer. Um, yeah, he's, uh, uh I, I went to elementary school with him in Palmer actually. And then we, we oh, cool. yeah, yeah. He was, uh, yeah. Super great guy to travel with. Like, uh, just super excited and really, yeah. Really knowledgeable and yeah, On that on that attempt, there was like a lot of new snow. so we were we were a lot more like avalanche minded. like, um he brought a rope so we could ski cut things on a rope. and uh, yeah, i was um I was really happy to that was so great to have him there for
0: I was wondering about the avalanche danger because watching that video of the first attempt, there was also quite a bit of wind, wasn't
1: there? totally, yeah, that's that's kind of ultimately what what shut me down. um yeah, it was yeah, it was like a lot of new snow. and then um and then, like, uh, 12 hours in the wind picked up and then like every goalie that I would cross would avalanche and they were getting like oh. progressively bigger and I don't know it's not it was like uh, if, if I don't know it's yes yeah, it seemed I was like I was like I could keep going further but this might slide but it won't kill me it's like oh. how, are you gonna, <laughs> are, how are you gonna weigh all that yeah
0: oh I, I really don't want you to be on that list
1: <laughs> yeah I don't know no, no, abs- no it's, it would have been a failure just to get caught and you are
0: listening to Outdoor Explorer on Alaska Public Media. I'm your host, Lisa Keller. We are going to take a short break, and when we return, we'll hear more from Ben Americus, who completed the new 13 peak Chugach Front Link Up in March.
1: You're listening to Outdoor Explorer on Alaska Public Media. Find the show anytime as a free podcast in the iTunes Store or connect with us online at alaskapublic.org.
0: You are listening to Outdoor Explorer on Alaska Public Media. I'm your host, Lisa Keller. My conversation with Ben Americus, who completed the new 13-peak Chugach front link up in March, continues. You started um, on the south end and went north. Yep. 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 And so Abe was with you for, which? what were the first four peaks that you did?
1: Yeah, uh, Tarmigan, and then south and north, Yonkchak's. And then um, avalanche, um, mm-hmm. and then we yeah the final the final bit he did with me was skiing this this line called uh, thin white line on avalanche. It was just like we it was like totally dark out. It was just an awesome awesome experience. It was like yeah like ridiculous powder skiing like oh. yeah. Was like, oh, that's like that that experience will definitely like that that's like one of the things that stuck with me in this mm-hmm. when I think about it. And then
0: and then you were up on Willowa, and uh, in the video you can. You can see how the wind is blowing pretty hard
1: <laughs> Yeah. and,
0: and you, you commented before you decided to, to bail, you, you commented on the wind was getting pretty bad and then you had to make this decision. This isn't going to work.
1: Yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, yeah, I, I kind of knew it even from Willowa there yeah. that it was, Um. Uh, but yeah, Willowa, the, the next section you're, you're on a ridge, so it's somewhat more protected for, mm-hmm. you don't have to cross any really giant avalanche slopes, um. But, uh, I was also like, um, pretty low on food. Like, uh, I was yeah, I would have been, I would have probably had no food for the last like 10 hours. And I was like, uh, I don't know.
0: I was wondering about that because in the second half of the video, once you start, you, you, you say like, I I think I'm going to go ahead and try to make an attempt tomorrow and here's my food. And I thought, Oh, I wonder if he was low on food. I totally thought that.
1: Yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> like he did not have yeah. enough
0: food on that first attempt.
1: <laughs> no, it's hard. It's amazing how much you eat out there. It's like, uh, yeah, it's like, uh, you always, yeah, like both times I started it and it was like, this pack is ridiculous. I got to just dump half this food. And then, yeah, super, I basically ate all of it in the second wow. attempt still. Like, yeah.
0: So, so when you're figuring out food for something like that, what is your priority with food?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, Uh, I think you want to balance um sweet and savory and then um uh yeah for me it's I guess yeah my priority is just like cheap basically like cheap high calorie and then like uh sweet and savory those like the three and then you want like a bunch of salt too like uh that's like the potato chips are for the salt and then yeah and then like I did use um some uh I always take like ibuprofen and caffeine pills and I did take the caffeine pills this time um uh
0: Uh, yeah potato chips are great because you can take the bag and crunch them all up right and make it really small oh
1: for sure (laughs) then you just drink it yeah yeah yeah
0: exactly and you have like a ton of calories have a lot of fat and salt in them
1: (laughs) yeah it's always they're almost like too the flavors are too strong for me i need to switch to just the salted ones or something oh really yeah i don't know something about being out there that long you like i I get like it's like oh this barbecue flavor is too intense but
0: Oh, I agree. I have to have like, if I'm doing an ultra or something and eat, I love chips, that's like my favorite thing to have, like, especially deep into a, a longer race, but I could right. not do any, I'd have to do just the plain potato chips. Yeah. I can't do the barbecue or the sour cream and chives or whatever.
1: No, I think that's something I learned. I have to switch. Do you, do you do the little Debbie's? I'm a big fan of those.
0: No, little Debbie's is kind of like, isn't that an East coast kind of uh cake or something
1: yeah they're like uh they're you yeah, know you can get them at walmart they're like uh, uh they, they have a bunch of different varieties i like these they have these oatmeal cream pies that are like uh, yeah. 180 calories uh yeah they're, they're like uh it's like a cinnamon cookie with like like some kind of frosting in the middle oh that sounds uh, really good <laughs> yeah yeah that's, that's like that was probably the, the the pillar the pillar of my my nutrition plan was these little debbie's what
0: uh, by um so the the successful attempt it took you what was it like around 36 hours or something
1: yeah just over 36 hours
0: so by the end by towards the end were you starting to have food fantasies Not, I was pretty well fed uh yeah but don't you just like yeah. don't you just get this oh, I want a burger and some fries and
1: I have before not yeah oh. not, not, a, not up there yeah I was I was pretty sick of that yeah I was just like I was really sick of eating the potato the barbecue potato chips oh. at the end. I <laughs> was yeah, yeah. and I was I was trying to get under thirty six hours. so like uh, the last couple of hours, I didn't really eat. I was just like right, trying to race there at the end. I didn't really eat too much. Um, uh-huh. it was It was a really fun way to end it, though, like like really, I mean, you, you want to like end it for me, like not on a slog. You want to end it like on a like race into the finish. So it was like the timing was really good for that. but I, was, yeah, I think I was like twenty minutes over so where where did you come out? Uh, the dome trailhead? Okay. Yeah. I came to Kishla was the last one. And then um, I came out at the dome trailhead and uh, Abe, who had joined me for the first attempt, he like met me at the, at the trailhead there. Um, It was like, uh, yeah, I think just, it was like, yeah, I know. I didn't know he was coming to to meet me there. And he like wanted to make sure I didn't crash my car driving home. Oh yeah. (laughs) That's probably a good thing. So you came
0: out the dome trailhead up at Stuckigan Heights. Yep, exactly. Yeah. Uh, because, you know, you can come down through the tank trails, but you can get in trouble for yeah. that if you don't have a permit. So.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I knew Sophie did that. Um, she did, she ended at, uh, the, what's that? Snowhawk.
0: Strong oh yeah. Road. Right. Snowhawk. Yep. Up Arctic Valley road.
1: That, that's like, in my mind, that's some more aesthetic link up because you end, it's like, you do the full, you do the full front range, like you end, you end further North, but uh-huh. I did, I just never been there before. So I didn't want to risk it.
0: So in your final attempt was, uh, or when you made the second time, that was past the equinox, right? It was late March or?
1: Oh, that was March 11th. Oh, so it was, so it was still a winter. Yeah, t- t- I mean, it, was, it was like, it was full spring conditions, but yeah, well, it was it, yeah before the 21st. So.
0: Okay, okay. Because I, I was, again, thinking, so you have kind of all these records because it was kind of, I was thinking, well, you have the first time, uh, when it's 13 peaks. So you've essentially set a record now, which in the summertime will probably be annihilated, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> L- Lars will do it in like 12 hours or something. Exactly. Yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> you know he's already thinking about
1: it. Oh, for sure, yeah. And
0: yeah. then you have, the, you were the first person to use skis, as far as I know, because just you and Sophie are the only ones who've really done it in winter conditions, let's say, right?
1: Yeah yeah that's my knowledge of it too yeah I think, yeah um, and and, and it's, I mean it's like I don't think anybody just in a big ski tour would do that route um just because some of the summits are a little contrived and
0: mm-hmm. uh, um I saw so a couple of things I wanted to ask you about that I noticed during the video um was that at one point there were some some human tracks up that you followed and you said thanks to two people, I think. I can't remember who it was thanks to, but what, yeah. what tell me about that.
1: Yeah, that was, um, so um, those tracks were set by my friends, like Sean and Alex. Um, uh, so they, I think like four, four days earlier, they had skied that the North Cooler on North Yangchek, which is like the crux of the whole, for the route that I did, it's like the crux of the whole thing. Like it's pretty steep and like, there's like a down climb at one point I mean I, I down climb it like uh a few other people I've skied with them to skied it but uh it's like really yeah it's like it's like the most technical part of the route and um yeah it was just like really great to have some they, they had done it a couple years like yeah, a couple days prior and um they like told me the conditions but it was kind of like a I but by the time I got there the conditions I think had changed a little bit I was like uh it was a lot firmer than what they had described so
0: uh-huh. it' was
1: like kind of kind of sand, I guess the term is sandbagging but it was like a, <laughs> I was, uh, yeah, I was a little, 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 I was like, I was kind of traumatizing that first ski. And then I was like pretty cautious for the rest of it after that, that descent. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, did you take, did you take a stove at all for any hot fluid?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I had a jet jet boil and I used it like every 12 hours. So, um, mm-hmm. yeah. And then, um, I was, I had this stuff, um, it's like a horchata mix. Ooh. I feel like that, that was really nice. I, I drink that when I use the stove. Uh-huh. That
0: sounds really nice. I love horchata. So
1: (laughs) yeah, it's got a lot of fat fat in it. So it's a good, yeah, it's a good balance.
0: Yeah. And then, so then another time you found some sheep tracks.
1: Yeah, that was on, yes, that was, uh, that was the ridge between, uh, hidden. Yeah. Hidden. I'll just keep it vague. That that was, I was on Hidden (laughs) Peak. Uh, uh, uh yeah so those were that was like super lucky I'd been to Hidden Peak like three times before and like it was really complex I think it's it's probably even more complex in the summer but like it's all these like gullies and um yeah I'd been there three times and basically gotten lost every time before I and then uh yeah this time I just like it was dark out and I just like had to cross all these gullies and I just like blindly trusted these sheep tracks and they like yeah they obviously knew where they were going because it was like the ideal ideal route
0: I mean, that's when I saw that, I was like, oh, that is so lucky. Cause yeah, the sheep, of course, are going to know the best route to get where you need to go. Right.
1: Yeah. And I think people that like you, 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 you probably already knew this, but I'm so new to the front range. It's just like, it's like, wow, there's like, there's a trail here. Like there's, it surprised me that that that, that's a good way to navigate.
0: Yeah. Did did you see anybody else up there when you were doing it? Uh, Any other human beings? (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah yeah uh there was a snow machine or, uh near avalanche by powerland pass and mm-hmm. then he just like waved to me and saw if i was okay but that was like the only social interaction the whole the whole time because
0: because the second time that you did it you abe didn't come with you in the beginning right you just went on your own
1: yeah yeah um yeah, it was the same weekend as the like, Usik, so abe was uh skiing there but uh okay yeah, yeah. Uh, my buddy Drew dropped me off and then yeah, the rest of it was all all alone. Oh no, there was a guy um at the base of South Yonkchek, someone at Rabbit Lake. Um so yeah, there was, I guess, two people out there. Hmm.
0: So um, so those are the renamed North and South. Um, and it, it's Yom Yomchuk. Is that how you yeah. pronounce it?
1: Yeah, uh, I think in, in the video I I watched it both times, I think, but it's a uh, you yonk I think it's the, yeah. That's right. Uh, yeah. I'm so
0: glad those were renamed.
1: <laughs> totally. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. know yeah, uh, it makes sense.
0: Yeah, it does. Uh, and so did you, did you try to start right when the sun was coming up or did you start a little early hoping to get the most amount of light in your truck? Cause you probably had some sort of idea of, you were trying to get under 36 hours. So you were pretty yeah. confident that you were going to be around that mark. So of course there's going to be some of that time is going to be in the dark.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, I think I was just trying to maximize sleep the night before, um and I think just just my naturally, I wake up at like 8 a.m. So uh, I, I think I was just trying to sleep in, like just sleep in, and then started at a comfortable time for me because the crux of it is really that that for me it was that North Yonchk cooler, so that yeah. was going to be in the daylight regardless of when I started. Yeah. Um, and then I yeah, it, it worked out pretty well. Like um, the part in the dark. Um, like I, I don't know, I knew most of it pretty well.
0: Mm -hmm. Had you done some of those peaks in the dark before so that you knew how it was going to feel? Cause that's obviously such a different feeling to be up there in the dark than in the light.
1: Yeah. Yeah. um, Yeah. I've been, I've been, I'm not in like the full dark, but uh, yeah, a lot of like twilight, like um, the sun was set while I was up there. Uh, Mm -hmm. That's just, I was like, it took a while to get used to like the Alaska daylight thing. So just a lot of times this year, the sun would set while I was still up there. Uh-huh. Um, but uh, I will say the second time, it was just like so much easier to, just like so much more confidence in, in that it could be done. Like um, I remember Sophie saying in her podcast, she was like with you. Um, she said, um, I was really confident right on the North Yang check or something that it was gonna go. But but like I I, I the whole even the second time until like, the very end of it, it was like oh uh, something might turn me around or. Mm-hmm. Um, so just have that I feel like just like mentally I needed two attempts to get my head around it
0: and and so it it really does make sense to go south to north because of that because of the young Chuck is like it's dangerous. It's like the most dangerous part is is you said yeah. something about the koya that you went down, yeah, um uh,
1: I mean, yeah, yeah, go ahead. i I think it is yeah, and and the 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 non cool around is really gnarly too. Uh-huh. Yeah. I, I think it's, and, and, uh, you start, I think 1500 feet higher if you start at rabbit lake trailhead. Oh so, mm-hmm. yeah. That's, uh, I think that, that that's kind of my, the reason I did it.
0: Uh huh. Cause I, you know, I've done, uh, South and North together and looking at North, always wondering like, Oh my gosh, this seems like it would be so like, how do you, my buddy and I were kind of thinking about doing the link up a couple of years ago. And then it was like, oh god where do we go from here we felt like kind of stuck like it would be like a big it, it's hard to get off the north summit totally, it seems yeah. and yeah, get I've, over to where you need to go next
1: totally it's a power line peak there i think yeah like, yeah i've looked at that ridge like three times now and never it's never seemed doable like i mean i'm sure it's I mean, that's what that's what sophie did in the winter but uh yeah uh, uh, yeah, I, I, be, yeah, I'm really curious to see it in the summer. Maybe it's mellower. I, I, I don't think it is, though. I think it's still super exposed.
0: Yeah, I think so because that's that's the only time I've looked at it. It is in the summer.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like yeah, death on both yeah. sides. it's, it's yeah, like it's, where do we go now? <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think um, yeah, I, I do want to do the do it um take it, do it with some friends. The link up with some friends this summer, and yeah, I think it'll be a, a process of figuring out some yeah it's definitely different different deal
0: did, did you so you did some of the peaks last summer but then did you do some of the peaks early winter too to kind of get a feel for that so you knew what it was going to be
1: like yeah yeah did um yeah like i oh mean maybe like six of them actually yeah um mm-hmm. yeah i did temptation really early on with abe and then um really the the the, the biggest thing i did was uh, my my friend mike mike records he um Invited me on to go with him on the North Yong trek to ski that cooler, mm-hmm. which like i I had read about, and it seemed like this totally insane, like like once in a lifetime ski line. But like uh, yeah, we we did that, I think, in late January. and it was like, um, and like knowing that that cooler was like not as crazy as it's written about online, um that's really what kind of unlocked the route for me,, uh, um, yeah, and. Yeah, I know it is like it's just such as just like independently that ski line. It's like such a beautiful, yes. Yeah, it's, it's such an aesthetic ski line.
0: Uh-huh. Uh huh. One thing you don't have to worry about in the winter, obviously, is bears, right?
1: Yeah, totally. <laughs> no, yeah, yeah, I know. Coming out those trails, it's like, yes, yeah, spooky.
0: That is the piece that, like, on that north end, coming through all that alder brush and everything. I'm like, oh man, this is. This would be scary.
1: <laughs> yeah, when you're in the dark, you're all you're all destroyed from. Yeah, yeah,
0: exactly. So you did get a little bit of sleep during the trip, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. That's a mistake. I think that was like a, <laughs> I didn't want to. I didn't want to sleep, and then this like that was your then,
0: twenty minutes. <laughs> I know.
1: Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, twenty minutes. I think it was fixing. I had to fix my feet all these times. So, but uh, yeah, the the sleep was like. A, I was trying to figure this out. Like. A, yeah. Sometimes I would just sit on my backpack and then you just wake up. You, I just, you just like, wake up. Sometimes you don't know how much, time. It's like <laughs> sit down and then wake up. And then you don't, I had no idea how much time had passed. So it could have been an hour, two hours. Like, I think it was only like, I was looking at the, the track line. It was only like 10 minutes, but.
0: But you wake up probably in a panic, right?
1: Yeah, you you feel great, like you feel like like yeah, you know, like seven minutes you wake up you feel awesome. But uh, uh-huh. yeah, that was that was like it's like like what's that? There's that disease like narcolepsy where oh yeah yeah it's like almost like the second time I was just like booting up uh, East to Nina. and I was just like like with my crampons on I had like laid on the snow then woke up like totally like pretty. wow that's crazy <laughs> yeah not, yeah not a I, it's like something I yeah gotta figure out like try to prevent that.
0: I, think that, um, to be successful at the link up, which you were, so even though that you slept, I think that was good, but you really have to be somebody who can go without some sleep for some extended period of time.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. I think, um, unless you're, unless you do it, like some of these people in like 15 hours or something. Yeah. But, oh, well, yeah, exactly. But, uh, like Mars. You know, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. For, for the, for the mortals out there. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, yeah. So it's, it's something I like, like, I stay up, I like miss a lot of nights of sleep for, like in college or for work or whatever, but like something about like being out there, like it's amazing how much worse you feel like hiking than, than, than just like at your computer.
0: And then also just like, um, as you start to, we, we just know that as you start to not get sleep, your decision-making process is really going to suffer.
1: Yeah. And That was, that really happened in this. Uh, I, I can look at the track line and see like three or four points where I made bad decisions at the end where, where I, if I was probably sharper, I would have, would have done better. Uh huh.
0: So, so it does sound like you're, um, like any good athlete, you're looking back at it and you're going, okay, I could go a little bit faster here. I could go a little bit faster here. So you said that you were talking about maybe doing it with friends in the summer, but, um, mm-hmm. are you thinking about making another winter, uh, stab at it?
1: Uh, probably. Probably not not. I mean, it would be cool if some, I think it could go like I really think it could go under 24 hours in the winter. I'd be like, that's like totally, fully totally with like within the realm of possibility with by somebody. And maybe if somebody like I I, and I know there's people that are looking to ski it pretty soon, like maybe in the next month here. Mm-hmm. But I think maybe if they if they beat go faster than me, I'd be more motivated. But
0: do you think that do you think the skiing was is the key to going faster on it in the winter?
1: Yeah, I do. Yeah. And yeah, to really, to get, I mean, it's tricky because you got to balance like, uh, safe conditions, but I think, I think it's, yeah, I, I don't think I could do it without skis in the winter.
0: Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, so, uh, besides the link up, do you have any other big things that you're, you got out there that you want to give anybody heads up about any big adventures?
1: Yeah, nothing, nothing too big. Yeah. Just try to try to see, yeah, to see more of Alaska. Yeah, I was telling people I hear that I hear there's great mountains outside of the Anchorage area. I, I haven't seen any of them yet, but i <laughs> yeah, try to see some other spots.
0: And people say Anchorage isn't really Alaska.
1: <laughs> oh, it's, I mean, it's all, you, it's like all you need is right up there. I like, know.
0: Yeah. I'm like, people who don't understand Alaska say Anchorage is not Alaska.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's, it's definitely more than enough challenge for me just in the yeah. range. But yeah, no, I I, I, I want to go. I've got some trips planned to like, uh, yeah, like different, different ranges just short Mm -hmm. short weekend trips.
0: What what is the difference between like um having grown up in Cordova, very small town to access anywhere else, you know, you have to catch a plane or a boat to get out. And now being here in like a big urban area with this huge I mean there's a huge playground in Cordova too, but it's maybe a little tougher to access. I don't know.
1: Oh no absolutely absolutely yeah there's like uh, you kind of there's like a, a, a range with like 4,000 foot mountains, like the Heaney range, which is like amazing ski mountains. Like, uh, people, yeah. Like the, the faces are so aesthetic, uh, but they're only like, yeah. What I think actually 3000 feet tall is the, the, the highest one. Oh, wow. Um, and, but there's like, if you have a snow machine, you can get out, get out to the Delta there. And then you're, you're skiing like the same, same mountains as the heli skiers. Mm. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's, a Anyway, I I think Anchorage has the best ski access in Alaska, probably.
0: Really? Oh, that that sounds really good. I like that.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I I haven't haven't seen any any of it, but just just from what I hear about, it's like...
0: (laughs) I just think we're going to be the place to go. We are going to be the last stop after climate change just sweeps across the rest of the United States. You know, you got to come to Alaska because we got it going still.
1: I agree. Yeah, it's a cool city too. Yeah, it's, it's like, like Anchorage, especially. Yeah, it's, I think it's a yeah, it really. I'm, I'm really. I'm, I want to live here for the next ten years or so. Like, I think it's a, yeah, good place to be. Do you have to? Are you are you going back
0: to Oregon to defend your PhD or what do you have to do for that?
1: Yeah, I'll go back in like um, about a month. Uh, I'll go back, Um, and then yeah, there's a route in Oregon in in, uh, in, I guess in Washington. I want to do while I'm down there on Mount Rainier, um, but. Uh, yeah. Uh, I'll go back in Oregon. Um, yeah, the end of May uh-huh. and, and then come back, then move back to Alaska.
0: But only 10 years, you're only going to stay here 10 years after that.
1: <laughs> oh, I see, I see a good, good chunk of time. Yeah. Assess, assess the, the status of things, but yeah, I mean, it takes like, it takes like that long to make an impact in like, I don't know, in your job or in your, even you're just really like to, to see all these places. Like it's, it's been like kind of overwhelming, like like you can't you can't see it all in a year. Like yeah, I I I have never been to like you know, the north North Slope or like Nome or any of that area. hmm
0: So maybe there's some trips up north too that you can put together and
1: yeah yeah p- do some challenging
0: yeah. stuff along there. I mean, there's lots of people who've done lots of challenging things through river rafting or you know traversing big swaths up there.
1: Oh for sure yeah no it's like a yeah what an amazing like a. Yeah, the Kiklaweics up in Nome. Those, are like, yeah, um, is it Thompson Peak, the tallest? Or that's not it. Yeah, the tallest mountain, the Kukuiwaiks. There, it looks really nice to ski. Uh, yeah, I've, I've been watching those, like, um, yeah, the those Luke Mel videos. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. I've, I've been watching all those. I've been listening to the Fern Line for last for the last ten years. I've just been like fantasizing about Alaska. So. <laughs> a lot, a lot and, and
0: you're an Alaska boy. You just had to get back here.
1: Yeah, definitely. And I, I feel like leaving, if you leave and come back, you can like re-experience it, like appreciate it.
0: You, I think that's true. And, and, uh, you know, when I went outside for college too, and didn't really appreciate it until I came home. So, and then left and traveled for a while for three years in and out of like ski places, park city and Telluride and stuff. But I always wanted to come home. And when I got home in the early nineties, it was like, yep, I'm not leaving. This is where I belong. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I'm sure it's a different, even in the early nineties, probably a different place than it is now too. It's,
0: it's really crazy, but I I grew up in the Chugach because my dad took us out there all the time and we were skiers. I skied at Arctic Valley and most, I mean, we hardly ever went to Girdwood to ski. It was Arctic Valley where we skied and, um, I've given up skiing. My brother's still a big skier and he said, nope, once a skier, always a skier. And I'm like, well, I don't have the gear anymore. So,
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah.
0: but, um. I feel really fortunate to have grown up here and seen all the changes, like you say, coming back to Anchorage. It's a, it is a very fun city to be in if you like being in the outdoors, but you also want to have some good food because we have yeah, good food yeah. now. So yeah, that's kind of, when I was growing yeah, up, there wasn't very much good food here.
1: <laughs> no, it's, it's like, yeah, it's like a you know, whole metropolitan lifestyle here. Yeah.
0: Yeah, well, was, so was,
1: I'm curious. Oh, sorry. Yeah. are you gonna? Uh, are you looking to, Are you gonna? This is um back to Linkup. Are you? Are you oh. looking to do it this summer? Uh, no, no,
0: it okay. it won't happen this. Yeah. So, um, I don't know. I I I get a little bug that I want to do it. I get excited when I talk to people who have done it. And then I just get sucked into life and don't get out there and, (laughs) and, you know, uh, check it out and see where I might want to go. But I do, I do have a friend, um, and she and I, Jackie Manjay, she and I have talked about doing it together before. So, cool. Yeah but it will not happen this summer.
1: (laughs) Okay. Okay. I was going to invite invite you on the, on the crew this summer. (laughs) Uh, That would be
0: scary. I don't, I don't know if I could keep up anymore. (laughs) That's kind of the problem is you start to, there is a point where you get where it's just the the big thing I've noticed about being older and hiking and things like that. It's not going up, it's coming down and, you know, just stepping off of rocks, your body just feels different. And, um, I think it's still in the realm of possibility for older athletes, for sure. But if you look at the link up, there's no one who's very old on that link up right now.
1: there's A lot of 18 year olds. (laughs) Yeah.
0: (laughs) Yep. The knees are still good. But, but Ben, I'll tell you, it's not out of the realm of possibilities that someday I may try it.
1: Cool. So okay. I'll,
0: I'll let That's, you know when I do, <laughs> when I'm really yeah. going to go and I need, and I need somebody to take me out and show me a couple of, uh, se- super secret routes.
1: <laughs> oh, yes. D- definitely not me. I don't, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, I was just curious. You know, you're like that you've been doing, doing these interviews for, Yeah, yes, it seems like you're, you're, I can tell you're pretty, pretty psyched on it.
0: Oh yeah. It's super exciting. And, um, to see something like this happened, just get popular and the, you know, I mean, Sean Lyons did it what 30 years ago now, but, um, just to see the, um, it's just really exciting for me as an older athlete and somebody who's lived here my whole life to see young people just going, Hey, we can do this. Let's go do this now. And, and to see this become such a big thing because, um, I think it's a, it's a pretty cool piece of Anchorage right now.
1: Yeah, totally. Yeah. this Yeah. There's other there's other I see other things that are less similar similar uh theme but less less recognized like there's this triple crown thing out of Portage Lake there's, yeah, there's a lot hmm. of cool
0: what what like. is the triple crown thing out of Portage Lake?
1: Yeah it's a it's a Luke Mel route uh it's on his, he has a little website for it but it's a uh, Carpathian Byron and Bard um and you you ski them you ski all three I think it's like something like twelve thousand feet of vert. So ah. Yeah. It's like, that's, that's something I was pretty interested. I don't know if it'll happen this year, but, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, real, real similar. It really yeah, technical, it's like technical skiing and a heat figure out and you're doing it for speed. Yeah. Super, super interesting.
0: Huh. I should tell my brother about that. That might be something he would like to do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think that's, that's, that's almost like, uh, as aesthetic as the, the front range one.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so Ben, it has been just fantastic uh, chatting with you and I'm uh, really excited to kind of uh, keep track of you and see what else is happening and good luck on your uh, PhD um, dissertation and the defense of that. And uh, thanks for joining me today.
1: Oh, thanks, Lisa. No, I'm super happy to be here. appreciate you having me on.
0: That's it for today's show. Thanks to my guest, Ben Americus. You can find pictures and links to Ben's Chugach Front Link-Up video, Joe Stock's Chugach Front Link-Up website, and the shows we've aired about the Link-Up on the Outdoor Explorer page on alaskapublic.org. The show was produced by Eric Bork. My name is Lisa Keller, and from all of our hosts here at Outdoor Explorer, thanks for listening and we'll see you outside.
1: Outdoor Explorer is a production of KSKA Public Radio in Anchorage, Alaska. Theme music is by Portugal, The Man. Views expressed are those of the participants and do not reflect the station or its underwriters. You can find Outdoor Explorer on Facebook and in your favorite podcast app. To see what's coming up on Outdoor Explorer and add your voice to the conversation, go to our website at alaskapublic.org. Life
0: informed. This is Alaska Public Media.